So I pick her up, uh, and she has no idea who's coming to the door. She vaguely remembered a friend of mine, uh, a taller friend of mine and was expecting him, but it was me. And, um, she didn't know who I was, but she got in the car anyway. And we went to the concert and you're trusting. Uh, yeah. 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 It was, it was a bold thing to do, I guess. Yeah. Welcome to the feel good running podcast, where our goal is to keep you motivated, inspired and energized as a runner, or perhaps you are looking for the right motivation to become one, you've definitely found the right place. We share inspirational stories from real runners, motivating running-related information, and much more to help you feel good about your running. And now your host and a longtime feel-good runner himself, Jim Lynch. Well, hello, runners, and welcome to episode number 11, Double Aces. My name is Jim Lynch. This is my podcast, Feel Good Running, and I welcome you and thank you so much for listening. If you're brand new to the podcast, well, I hope you enjoy it and we'll go back and listen to some of the other episodes. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for once again giving me a shot. Number 11, man. 11 episodes. I can't believe we're that far in already. I just started this thing last December and already 11 episodes and we have some really good guests lined up in the future too so things are going good with feel good running and that's because of you the listener i really truly want to bring you a good running podcast and as i always say there are a lot of good running podcasts out there and you chose mine so i thank you and seriously runners if you are enjoying the podcast if you could help me out and please share it with your social media outlets and your running friends, that would be great. And if you ever get a chance and you really do like the show, if you could give me a good review on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. You know, the more that we share with new listeners, the more that the show will grow and it's growing. So there you go. All right. Enough said about that. All right. You're going to really like the show today. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm telling you, you're going to like it. My guests are Sam and Lindsay Wilbur, and they're both from here on Maui, moved here a long time ago. Lindsay is an amazing runner, and she's always one of the top three women runners on the island. And she's done several marathons, half marathons, and the Boston Marathon five times. And she's an awesome person. Sam, her husband, he's a former runner who aspired to be on the Olympic team. Now, here on Maui, he is a running coach and has a running business, Maui Running, it's called. And he puts on corporate running events at conferences, at resorts here on the island. These companies, when they have conferences, like to do team building and putting on a little running race is one of those team building things. And Sam figured out a way to be able to accommodate them. Pretty cool. Sam is also a traveler. And he has a goal of traveling to every country in the world. Can you imagine that? And he is already at 107 countries out of 196. What is also amazing is, is that he does this at very little cost. So go figure. We talk about that. And we also talk about his new travel venture, Worldwide Wilbur, where Sam, he'll provide tips and suggestions on how to travel and save you a fortune. Hey, listen, runners, going to races these days is not cheap. You got the registration, you got all your travel, all of that. So you're definitely going to want to listen up. And all that's coming up later in the show. So make sure you listen. 
You're going to really enjoy it. It actually was a lot of fun. I, I enjoy them both. They're good friends. And uh, we had a lot of fun talking. So I think you're going to enjoy this one. All right. Sound good to you? Good. All right. So I'm a little frustrated and it may be my age, my lack of detail, my lack of focus. Maybe my mind is going. I really haven't figured out exactly what it is. But in the last three weeks, I have gone out for a run and my watch, when I start running, beeps, comes up with the message, low battery. And I look down and I have maybe 2% charge on my Garmin. I wear a Garmin 235. And obviously, if I'm doing a six mile run, the watch is not going to last that long. And at some point, usually between one and two miles, my watch dies. When I say die, that means I have a blank screen. So now it's not tracking my distance, my pace, nothing. I have no idea after I'm done with my run what my stats were. Now, I started running years ago, probably even before some of you were born. And we didn't have technology back then. After a run, I would get into my car if this was a new course and I didn't know the distance. And I would drive it out and I would check how far I went on the odometer. That was our technology back then. Then they came out with the watches, the Apple watches, the Garmin's, the Fitbits, all this. And it does everything for you. And all you have to do is run and it beeps and you look and it tells you things while you're running. And then afterwards, you dump it into a program Life is good. Statistically, it takes care of everything. Unlike when I first started running, you had to write everything down. Runner's World actually had a book that you could order and it was called a a jog log. Um, Why am I calling it a jog log? It should be a run log. I'm a runner, not a jogger, right? And you just, you know, write your stats in there. How far did I go? How long did it take me? And then you go on your calculator and you'd figure out your pace. Sounds like a lot of work. And it was. I mean, gosh, you had to run. Then after you were done running, you had to sit down and bring out your book and write down your stats on a daily basis or every day that you ran. That was a lot of work. So now we got these watches that just dump everything into a program and life is good. So I got to figure out what's wrong with me because something is definitely wrong with me. I think what I need to do is get some post-it notes and throw a message on there to remind me to charge my running watch because as a runner, it is extremely important that you have a charged running watch when you go out. Just saying that, just want you to know that it's a very important thing. Don't ever forget it like me and you may someday and you may already, I don't know, but it is important. All right, enough of my sad story. I want to send a shout out to everybody who ran this year's Boston Marathon. It looked like it was a decent race this year as far as weather. And, uh, you know, conditions kind of good. Little cool, little bit drizzly out there, but a lot better than last year with all the wind. And I want to especially congratulate two of my friends. First is Karen Kalbach. She's a good friend in Colorado And she ran it in a great time of three hours and 47 minutes. Really proud of her. And another friend from Colorado, Cynthia Yackley. Now, Cynthia does have a story behind her. She has had an injury. And then when she got to Boston, she got a chest cold. So she had a double whammy going into the race last Monday. And uh, she finished. It was her worst marathon ever, but... According to her, it was her best race ever, going and fighting through 26.2 miles with an injury and a chest cold. 
not an easy thing to do. And she did it and she crossed the finish line and I am extremely proud of her. So good job, both Karen and Cynthia. And of course, a shout out to the top USA men, Scott Fobble and Jared Ward. And then on the female side, Jordan Hesse, Des Linden and Lindsay Flanagan, which all placed in the top 10 representing the United States of America. And of course, we have to mention 43-year-old Jimmy Johnson. Yes, the race car driver who wanted to break three hours in the marathon. Well, he didn't quite get that, but he did three hours and nine minutes and seven seconds and qualified for next year's race. So congratulations, Mr. Johnson. We are proud of you. And maybe someday you'll come on my podcast. How about it, man? We'll just talk about running, Boston Marathon, all that good stuff. All right. And I also wanted to give you an update on Michelle Mo Wheeler. She was on the Samaritans team for suicide prevention. She was featured in a news segment in episode number 10. And she ran the race in four hours and 53 minutes and 13 seconds. So congratulations, Michelle. What an inspiration you are. And what else is so cool about the Boston Marathon or some of the stories of inspiration and accomplishment that come out And I've been reading through a few of them and I am going to feature a couple of them on our news segment. Now, if you're out there running marathons this year in hopes of qualifying for Boston in 2020, I hope you accomplish that because everybody needs to do, if you're a serious runner, the Boston Marathon at least one time in their life. It's one heck of an experience. It's a wonderful race and it's very magical. So if that's your goal, good luck to you and get it done. I know you can do it. I really do. That's right. You listening right now, that's training for marathons. I know you can do it. You can. So get it done. All right. And an update, if you have not listened to episode number eight, Yasser Salem, uh, that was a wonderful episode and what an amazing man he is. He's running 50 marathons, 50 states and uh, up to the New York City Marathon in honor of his wife, uh, Guinevere Mann, who passed away last year to cancer. But he's over 21 marathons now. He uh, He's done quite a few since we did our conversation. And he actually PR'd in one of those races in Phoenix, uh, the rock and roll. Uh, and he did a 357.06. So congratulations to Yasser. And we're keeping an eye on you. And thank you for everything you're doing out there. You're such an inspiration. And Guinevere would be really proud of you. So you just keep on doing it. And we'll keep on following you, brother. And I threw the link again into the show notes if you'd like to donate to the Guinevere Man Foundation. You can find it there. All right, let's talk stats. Stats. Yes. Statistics. Stats. I really like saying the word stats. Say it with me. Stats. All right, Jim, quit it. Just stop with the stats thing, all right? Okay. Um, So I just got my copy of the 2018 National Runners Survey, and this is through Running USA, and it's based on a survey of over 4,000 runners. So I think they have it together, and I think you're going to find some of these statistics, stats, interesting. All right, to start, let's talk about the two major trends that came up. First of all, Runners are more cost sensitive. Entry fees are most important driving event decisions. 
7 in 10 runners would participate in more events if the entry fees were lower. Now, I personally agree, but I'm on the other side as a race director, and I can tell you it costs a lot of money to put on races. So in most cases, there's reasoning behind why these entry fees are higher. Things that you would take for granted and not even know that we have to pay for them. And as a race director, I try and we try to keep race entry fees out here on Maui for the marathon and for some of our other races through Valley Isle Roadrunners low as possible. There's a decline in using social media for running, lesser following running related aspects overall on social media, and less likely to use Facebook specifically. However, half like to share their race experience on social media. Six in 10 runners are between 25 and 44 years of age. 78% are highly educated and 56% of all runners have a household income of $100,000 or more. Runners average 23 miles per week. 40% prefer the half marathon, followed by 17% for the full marathon. And it appears that full marathon participation is declining and has over the last few years. Baby boomers run to stay healthy and stay in shape. Millennials run to relieve stress. 54% of all runners are women and 46% are men. So it appears more women runners are dominating the sport these days. The highest percentage of runners, 27%, are ages between 35 and 44. 68% runners are married or have a partner versus 23% single and never married. And only 8% are divorced. 76% run 12 months a year and 57% run four days a week. 60% are frequent fitness runners, 21% are jogger recreational runners, and 19% are serious competitive runners. 58% prefer to run in the morning, and surprisingly, 53% prefer to run alone, and only 14% prefer to run in a group. 63% run with a mobile phone, 47% wear a running watch, and 46% of all runners run with music. 64% run to stay healthy and 16% keep a running streak. Did you hear that, Zora Bodrissa? You know what? Um, Zora runs with us out here and she has a streak going on that's pretty incredible. I don't know, but she's got to be really close to a thousand days of consecutive running. I ask her all the time what her end game is and she won't tell me. So I don't think she knows. That's that's what I think it is. I I don't think she really knows. All right. The top three most important items regarding event participation. 62% want an accurate course. And if they're doing a marathon or a half marathon, want a certified course. 55% want a medal or other finishing memento. And 53% want a quality t-shirt, not a piece of junk, a quality t-shirt. 64% prefer a loop course, 24% like point to point, and only 13% prefer an out and back course. The average runner spends around $1,850 per year on running related items. The highest cost obviously is travel and entry fees, followed by running shoes, and that is followed by apparel. 79% said that running has improved their overall physical health, followed by 78% also stating it has improved their mental health. 
62% do not follow a specific diet. And when it comes to injury, knee injuries seem to be on top of the list at 22%, followed by plantar fasciitis at 15%. So those are some statistics. There's a ton more in this survey, uh, but I wanted to kind of break out a couple that you might be interested in. So thank you for listening to my stats, my stats. Anyways, let's move on with some inspirational and motivational news. Searching anywhere and everywhere, here is this episode's Feel Good Running News. Remember Teddy Bruschi, the former New England Patriots linebacker? Well, he ran his third Boston Marathon this year. Back in February of 2005, a healthy Teddy Bruschi suffered a sudden, obviously unexpected stroke. Shortly after his recovery, Teddy and his wife Heidi formed a nonprofit organization in partnership with the American Stroke Association under the name Teddy's Team. Teddy's Team runs the Boston Marathon and numerous other races each year to raise money and awareness of the signs and symptoms of a stroke. And Teddy himself has run the 2012 and 2014 Boston Marathon alongside his teammates from Teddy's Team. If you are a NFL football fan, you will remember Teddy spearheaded the defense during the Patriots' first three Super Bowl wins in 2001, 2003, and 2004. He said, the Boston Marathon is like a 26.2 mile stadium for me. I'm running with my teammates and everybody's cheering my name. And in turn, he cheers on runners as they pass each other throughout the race. Teddy said this time he prepared with training runs more than he did with the previous two. Back then, he considered himself a rookie runner, and he even ran his first marathon with his wife, Heidi. Well, it obviously paid off because this year he felt more comfortable, more prepared, and at now 45 years old, ran it in four hours and 35 minutes and 35 seconds. He did say, I still got that linebacker in me, and I just want to take off. So he says to himself, whoa, Teddy. It's only mile three. Congratulations, Teddy, on completing this year's Boston Marathon. But more important, thank you for running as a part of Teddy's team, which is actually your team, Teddy. You started it. It is amazing how much more running means when you are doing it for a reason. Imagine you just ran 26.15 miles of the Boston Marathon and 100 yards from the finish, your legs give completely out. Man, that would suck. Well, Marine veteran Micah Herndon experienced just that. Four miles from the finish line, both of his legs locked up, but he soldiered on while repeating out loud names of his fallen friends. Running has helped Micah deal with post-traumatic stress disorder since returning from Afghanistan in 2011. Two of his fellow Marines were killed when their vehicle ran over an explosive device. Micah was in another vehicle that was also hit by an IED, but survived with some injuries. Another fellow Marine was killed a year earlier. When Micah runs, he does not do it for himself. He runs for his three fellow Marines and their families. He even had their names written on the back of his hands and on his running bib. He wants to bring awareness to PTSD and other issues veterans face. Micah said, I 
do have PTSD and survivor's guilt. I'm not ashamed of that. Coming home, it's a hard transition for all veterans, and so you've got to find a release, and my release was running. So at 100 yards from the finish line, Micah crawled on his hands and knees without any help just to get across the line. He wanted to finish on his own because the pain he was experiencing was nothing compared to his fellow Marines that were lost and their families who are experiencing the continued pain today. Micah said, I'm proud of my PTSD because that's who I am and that is what fuels me in my workouts. By the way, Micah finished the Boston Marathon this year in three hours and 38 minutes. Thank you for your service to our country, Micah, and inspiring us runners and reminding us that we run free because of your sacrifice to our country. Micah's next goal is to run the New York City Marathon in November. We are all very proud of you, Micah. And finally, it was 8 o'clock p.m. Cleanup was well underway at the finish line at the Boston Marathon. The 33,000-plus participants and crowds of spectators were long gone. Steel barricades were being loaded into a truck, and police officers were still patrolling the area. But there was a man in a hoodie just patiently hanging out, looking into the distance, glancing at his phone every so often. The temperature was dropping, wind was picking up, and there he waited. And when asked why he was there, he replied, my mom. Then a Boston Athletic Association spotter arrived on his bike to announce the final runner was about two blocks away, and it was this man's mom, 46-year-old Red Hilton, who was running her first marathon and was the last runner heading to the finish line. As she crossed the finish line, her and her son embraced upon receiving her Boston Marathon medal, and she began to tear up. Like all of us who have run marathons have experienced, there were parts of the race she didn't think she would make it and periods of rough weather that really didn't help either. Red was part of the Boston Medical Center's team and she herself raised more than $6,000. She ran to be part of something much bigger than herself. Red said, the time will never matter. It's the fact that I finished. And she said, it's over. It's done. And I can cry now. You really got to love the human will. And marathons will definitely bring that out in a person. Congratulations, Red. Your accomplishment inspires us all. Job well done. And now it's time to welcome this episode's very special running guest. All right, runners, it's time for this episode's guest. Yeah, that's what I just said, guests. This is the first time that I've talked with two people at once. Well, this was a very fun conversation. Sam and Lindsay Wilbur are not only a wonderful couple, but they're my friends. Lindsay is one of the top female runners here on Maui. She has won quite a few races and always places somewhere in any race here on the island of Maui. She is also a marathon runner who is up to around 18 marathons and five of those have been Boston. Sam is a former runner and a running coach and has a small running business here on Maui. But Sam's number one goal is to travel every country in the world and he's up to 107. Yeah, 107. There's 196 countries, so he only has 89 to go. Isn't that amazing? And he does this with very little cost. Well, we're going to talk about this and his new side hustle, Worldwide Wilbur. That's worldwidewilbur.com if you want to check it out. And yes, 
we talk a bit about running here on Maui. And oh yeah, Sam and Lindsay also have another full-time job raising two wonderful children. And let me tell you, in addition to all this other stuff that they do, they are wonderful parents. So let's get to it and enjoy my conversation with my dear friends, Sam and Lindsay Wilbur. All of us moved here from Colorado at some point of our lives, and yep. that's where the uh, Sam and Lindsay show started, right? It is. Yep. We met in Boulder, Colorado. And you were going to college out there. Lindsay was an undergrad at the University of Colorado, and I had just finished college and I was training out there. Yeah. So tell me about your background, Sam. You had aspirations on running. Yeah, I grew up in Lincoln, Maine and a small town. Um, nobody in my family were athletes. Uh, we focused on academics and I <clears throat> tried to make the basketball team and the baseball team unsuccessfully and did a bunch of different sports and then kind of fell upon running, uh, purely by accident and decided that was something I thought I could succeed in. But you're athletic. So I was not as a really? kid. I was a terrible athlete. Don't you play basketball? I now? do now yeah. and, and I do okay. But, uh, at 14 or 15, I was not an athlete. Yeah. And so when you got into running, did you just try out or did, how did that all come about? Yeah. I, uh, I, I wrestled my freshman year in high school and I, I was terrible in that, but uh, we trained really hard. I'd never trained for a sport before. And in wrestling, we worked really hard push ups and spin drills and running. We ran a mile or two a day just as part of our wrestling training. And it was really hard and it completely changed me. Um, I went from, 150 pound tubby 510 kid to a 132 pounds with muscle. In you were a tubby kid? A little bit, yeah. Wow. You know, a lot of candy bars and stuff. Man. Yeah. So that really, that season changed me. And then I went out for track in the spring and uh, I wasn't that good, but I got a little better as the season went on. And I thought, I think this is an opportunity. And I started training real hard over the summer. And then I started getting a lot better. Yeah. Wow. And then that, that's before college. And then you got to uh, Boulder. Yep. Yeah, well, no, I went to uh, Dartmouth College in New Hampshire. Oh, Dartmouth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, after high school, I went to Dartmouth and uh, spent four years there mm. and uh, did well in college and then decided to keep training and, with hopes of making the Olympic team. Uh, and I kept going for about... Uh, about seven years after you, college. You trained with some big names too when you were in Boulder, right? I did. I got the opportunity to train with world record holders and Olympic uh, medalists, uh, world champions. You know, r right when I got out there, the first year I moved there was 92. I went out there for a summer after my sophomore year at Dartmouth. And um, I don't know if you ever heard the name Arturo Barrios. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he, he had the world record in the 10K at that time. Mm -hmm. He was the, the, the reigning 10K world record holder. And he lived in Boulder. And I, a friend of a friend knew him and uh, gave me his phone number and said, oh, call up Arturo. He'll help you out. Well, my friend had met him like one time and somehow got his number. And so I called up Arturo out of the blue and he's like, who is this guy calling me up, you know, wanting to train, <laughs> you know, I'm a nobody. And he kind of politely referred me to someone else. And, uh, but I was, uh, uh, not easily denied. So I knew where he trained. So I, I kind of stalked him. I kind of went out to the place where he trained nice. and sat in my car and waited for him to show up. <laughs> And then I just went up and ran, like ran up to him during his training session. No kidding. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we're, we're really good friends now. He ended up being my coach many years later. Um, 
but at the time that was, I guess a very odd thing to do, but you know, <laughs> at, at 19, that seemed like a reasonable thing. Yeah. And that was a period of time where that produced a lot of USA runners too. Yeah. Well, I was in Boulder in the nineties and Boulder was the hotbed of American distance right. running in the Still 90s. is, isn't it? Not as much now. It's more Portland, Oregon, I would say, oh, okay. is the center of the professional running scene. But there's right. still good runners in Boulder for sure. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, of course, the University of Colorado team is fantastic. Right. You know? always, always, always has been. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Lindsay. So how, how in the world did you get involved in running? Um, so I think I've been running around my whole life um, from birth, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, as a kid, I think in my neighborhood, you know, just shoes off running down the street was kind of where I was at all of my childhood, um, in and out front doors and over at friends' houses and just always loved to run. Um, and then I would say my dad probably watching him be a runner. He ran a marathon when I was young, uh, always getting the shoes on and going outside, um, to go running. Mm -hmm. I just always admired that about him and it was something I wanted to do. So, you know, I, I ran as a middle school athlete, ran in high school, and then I decided to walk onto the cross country team at University of Colorado in Boulder. Okay. And that was a stretch goal for me. Right. Um, I was, I went to a good high school in Colorado, Highlands Ranch High School. Yeah. We had a great team. We won the state championship yeah. in track and field. Um, but I think, you know, I was pretty mediocre. Even in high school, I was, um, you know, a good varsity team member, but I was not university of Colorado material. Right. Um, but I, I walked onto the team and it was a fantastic, um, eye opener for me to be able to see real, you know, true, truly talented athletes running. Um, oh, amazing. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was amazing. And then Mark Wetmore, the coach there is just, he's amazing. And I, I learned there, you know, what is a long run? Like what really is a long run or what is a hard run? I really learned what it would mean to train hard. Right, right. And I think just that, that whole experience set me up to want to do this for the rest of my life. You know, I hope I'm running for the rest of my life in some capacity. So, well, if I'm an example, I'm, you know, I'm a dinosaur and I'm still running. No. So you have a <laughs> lot of years ahead of you. <laughs> yes. But I, I just love to run. I think that's, <clears throat> where I, where I'm at is it's, it's been with me my whole life. It's led me to almost all of the important relationships in my life. Um, I wouldn't have met my wonderful husband had it not been for the University of Colorado team. Well, let's talk about how you yeah. met. How did you meet? It's <laughs> um, kind of a funny story. Uh, so I trained with the University of Colorado men's team for a while while Lindsay was an undergraduate on the team. Um, and I wasn't hanging out with the women's team a lot. They trained separately. Uh, but there was a party at the end of the season. And uh, I remember seeing Lindsay at the party. I didn't actually speak to her, but I saw her and I thought, oh, that girl's kind of cute. And I grabbed my friend Tommy. I'm like, hey, Tommy, who's that? He's like, oh, that's uh, Lindsay Bradfield. I'm like, oh, what's her deal? He's like, oh, she's nice. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that was about it. it didn't, didn't speak to her. Didn't have the uh, fortitude to go go up and talk to her on that particular night. But uh, a week later, I had tickets to a concert. Uh, and uh, a girl was supposed to go with me, uh, but she was a space cadet and had gone to her parents for Thanksgiving and forgotten mm. So I had no date and I had a ticket and uh, I said, what am I going to do? This is the day of the concert. So I call up my friend Tommy. I go, hey, Tommy, what was that girl's name again I asked you about? He's like, oh, Lindsay Bradfield. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Can you get her number? He's like, uh, yeah, I'll find it. It's me her number. So I call her up 
And I said, uh, for, well, the first thing I called her house and I said, is Lindsay there? And they said, which one? I said, what does that there mean? There was a couple she had, Lindsay's. She had, there were three Lindsay's in oh, wow. one house. <laughs> Apparently in 1979, everyone named their daughter Lindsay. My stepdaughter's name is Lindsay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All of my friends yeah. are Lindsay. Yeah. Well, Lindsay or yeah. Kristen or... Yeah. So I, I had forgotten her last name, so I didn't know what to tell them. I'm like, I don't know. She's tall. She's on the CU team. And they're like, okay, that narrows it down to two. I'm like, <laughs> um, I finally got the right Lindsay on the phone and I told her, oh, we met at that party. Do you remember? Which I lied, but I knew she'd had a few drinks, so I could get away with that. Ah. So she said, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'm going to this concert tonight and I want to know if you want to go. And she said, oh, yeah, Sure. So great. I'll what pick, what pick was the up. concert? Depeche Mode. Oh, nice. Okay. The Nichols Arena. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> November 29, 1990. Yeah. The old arena where the Nuggets <laughs> and the yeah. Avs played yep. before they went to the Pepsi Center. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I pick her up uh, and she has no idea who's coming to the door. She vaguely remembered a friend of mine, uh, a taller friend of mine, and was expecting him. But it was me. And uh, she didn't know who I was, but she got in the car anyway. <laughs> we went to the concert and... You're trusting. Yeah. 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 It was, it was a bold thing to do, I guess, but it was fun. I do remember the, the car ride down. It wasn't just the two of us. There was another person in the car, Brad Hudson, who is now a a pretty big name in the running community. He's a coach, um, for some pretty awesome athletes, but he was sitting in the back and he had his head kind of in between us and, and was talking. Yeah. Um, rapidly the whole time. So we, we went out and I remember, uh, when I got home, my good friend, Adrian, I talked to Adrian and, you know, I was 19 at the time and she said, I think you're going to marry this guy on like the, yeah, after I talked to her and I did. So. Job, did you know, did you know that? Or is no. this the first time you're no, learning I this? I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. She called it. Breaking so. news right here yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. It was a, it was a fun way to meet someone. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. So a halfway blind date. Halfway blind yeah. date. And the, and the concert went well. Yeah, it was great. You both had a great time. And then just from that point on, you kept, uh, kept dating, right? Yep. I think pretty much from that moment, yeah. we were wow. a thing. Yeah. 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 Now, how long afterwards did you pop the question and uh, get married? Uh, we got married in 2001. So I must have, uh, we must have got engaged in 2000, summer of 2000. Yes. I think my yeah. criteria was I wanted to be graduated from college. I thought that was, that I wouldn't be possible f- before then, but yeah, <laughs> as long as we were, I was done with school, undergrad, I could get married. I, I remember when we got engaged, I asked her father's permission first and, uh, he was happy and said, Oh yeah, of course I'm, I'm thrilled. It's great. She had one more year of school left. And she said, you know, even though you're becoming the man of the house and you guys are getting married, we'll, we'll still, you know, fund her last year of college. And I was like, yeah, you will. I don't have any money. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) He's sweating bullets. I think at that time, how am I going to come up with this money? I'm like, oh, I can buy the spaghetti, but that's about it. That's about it, right? Uh, so, so um, between when did you move to Maui? You moved here in 2000. Uh, you were 23, right? I was I was 25. I think it was 2000, 2004. 2005. You moved here. Yeah. So yeah. you stayed in Colorado through that time yeah. period. Yeah. So we came to the Big Island actually on a four day, a very long four day vacation to the Big Island, and we went and we ha- were having a drink at Lulu's in. I think it was in Kona. Right. Mm -hmm. 
and we were having a very fun four day trip. And Sam said, you know, I think we should move here. And I thought, you know, at the time I was like, great, that's a great idea. Um, And he went home and made it his mission to find a job. Well, I said, let's shake on it. If one of us finds a job out here, we'll do it. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. Thinking. Were you drinking at that time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. And I didn't even think I was... I took you seriously at the oh, time. Dead serious. Yeah. Man. So I, we came home from work one day and Sam walks in and he says, uh, so I have a, I have a job interview and I'm like, Oh, that's great. And I'm like, for what? And he's like, well, it's, it's on Maui. And I hadn't heard this. Yeah. I hadn't heard that he was even looking for a job on Maui. And I was in the middle of a grad degree working full time and I was, it was a pretty big shock to me. So. Yeah. And you, you went to DU uh, for your, for your grad degree. Yeah. So right? my MBA I got at University of Denver. Right. Was, and you live there and you physically went there. You didn't do any online to finish no, it No. Yeah. I, I was working um, at Lockheed Martin okay. and University of Denver. I got yeah. my degree there, but it, you know, kind of part-time at night. And um, so I, I had to finish um, that out. So Sam actually moved to Maui like six months before me. And I lived with my parents and commuted up to Boulder and then went to school at, wow. at DU. Um, it was a pretty rough um, six months. But, you know, after that, I made it out to Maui. And I was not like a super, I didn't embrace it initially. It yeah, took me a couple no. years. You actually. either embrace it initially or it takes time to embrace the island out here. Yeah, I just missed, yeah. I missed my life. I missed Boulder. I missed my family. I missed my friends. And I continue to miss people, but um, I definitely love it here now. Right. So, what, yeah. what job did you find when you came out? Uh, I got a job working for the University of Hawaii uh, in the building uh, next to us. Okay. Maui High Performance Computing Center. Yeah. 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 Well, we're here at the uh, Maui Research and Technology Center. This is where we're doing the interview at. So if you're ever on Maui, don't come up here, please. (laughs) (laughs) Just go to to the place across the street, which is called the Maui Brewing Company. Yes. (laughs) Much more exciting than this building. It it is. There's not much going on in the uh, Maui Research and Technology Building. (laughs) So you didn't come out at all before. You came out got everything set up and you never were on Maui until you actually physically I think, moved yeah, here. Yeah. I physically moved here. I, I might you have, must come have to taken visit. one trip out here. Yeah. Visit. And then I moved and I just pretty much, I think I cried for a couple of years. Before we moved out <laughs> here, my company uh, gave me a relocation plan. So they paid for movers. Wow. So, nice. you know, we just had to pack up our stuff and a couple of large guys would show up in a van and pack mm-hmm. it all into the van and drive away with it. Well, I had my stuff all packed and Lindsay was in denial. <laughs> she's a Colorado girl. She's never been outside. Well, she's traveled, but she's never lived outside of Colorado. Right. And I think the enormity of that it was really happening was, uh, she was denying it. And <laughs> so it's the day before the movers are coming. And I said, you know, you might want to like, fold up your underwear and put it in a box. <laughs> these men are going to take everything you own, yeah. whatever condition it's in. Right. And uh, she kind of had a small breakdown and then got to work packing. And <laughs> I don't think I packed a whole lot. I yeah. don't, I believe I just left it all for the movers. Yeah. <laughs> so. It, it was, so it was pretty, pretty traumatic, not traumatic, but, but yeah. a really hard move for you. Yeah. I don't think I realized where I thought I wanted to be until it, you know, the decision or it was the decision was made, but the situation was confronting me. Um, it just, I hadn't really thought it through. Like, where did I want to live? And I guess I thought I wanted to live in Colorado and I, I still love Colorado. I mean, it's a special place. So do I. I love it. I, I don't love like it. the winter, but I yeah. do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But then Maui is 
you know, a magical special place. It so. is. It is. And you, <laughs> yeah. it, you, it's a small place and you really have to acquire, right. you know, a taste for it. People come out here and they're on vacation and they're having a nice time and they don't have any responsibilities and everything's left behind. And all it is, is fun, fun, beauty, yeah. beauty. Everywhere you look, it's beautiful. Yeah. And then when you live here, it's a different story. It is. And, you know, people say, oh, I'd love to live on Maui, man. I got to figure out a way to get here. But a lot of people don't survive. Yeah, you know? it's true. It's crazy. It spins, spins a lot out here. And when they say that Maui chooses you, it either it either keeps you or it spits you out. And I feel like definitely we've been, it's kept us around. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's on the fence with me, by the way. Yeah, it's just hanging on the fence right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So you did your first marathon, Lindsay, in 2002. It was the Chicago Marathon. You know, actually, I think the one maybe you don't have information for. I My first marathon was the Marin Headlands. It was like a trail marathon. Okay. And it was, um, I went with a couple of my college friends out to San Francisco. And then we went over to, I think it was Rodeo Beach, or I think that's what they call it. Um, right over the Golden Gate Bridge in Sausalito area. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a, so it was a trail marathon and it was straight up a mountain. I think I want to say it was like 3000 vertical feet of climbing. It was something crazy. Wow. And um, we ran that marathon and I was like, this is awful. <laughs> As I finished, um, it was such a little marathon too. When I finished, no one knew there was a marathon happening on the beach and I had to like dodge, um, beach goers playing Frisbee and stuff. Right. And someone said, are you, are you running a race? And I said, yes, I'm running a marathon. You had a number on the yeah. front of you. Yeah. So. <laughs> and then at the end, uh, some guy handed me a sandwich cookie and that was kind of the end of the race for me. And it wasn't all that fun, <laughs> so, but then yeah, Chicago, um, is a totally different story. It's a it fantastic, is. wonderful race. It is. I've done it three times. It's yeah. a great race. I yeah. just loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Those small races, you should do a big one first or at least one that's well organized. So yeah. you don't, uh, you don't get a cookie at the end and have people <laughs> ask you, are you running a race? That, that didn't sound like the best race to start your no, career out. With. But it was a beautiful place. I mean, it was yeah. truly a spectacular place to run. So um, it was, it was a fun time. And I've, you know, I think once I started running the bigger marathons though, that's where the magic for me, I don't, I think some people don't understand why the big marathons are fun, but I, there's just so much energy. There is so much humanity. Um, you, you know, you feel so much emotion, but then the, even the people watching you are, it's kind of crazy how, how into it people get. And it's, I just, I'm totally addicted to it. It's, it's a very addictive sport. Yeah. You know, when I did all of my marathons, I was, I just loved every single one of them, no matter if I had a bad time yeah. or not. If I, if I felt bad, I didn't care when I crossed that finish line. I just love the energy. Yeah. And I, I've done, you know, I've done 101 marathons and, wow. and the, um, the law, the big ones have been some of my favorites, but I like the small ones too. in some of the cities that I would have never been to in my life, like, uh, Abilene, Kansas, yeah. who in the world's going to go to Abilene, Kansas? Well, I guess if you wanted to go see the Dwight Eisenhower <laughs> library, you could go there, <laughs> but there's nothing there, but the community gets so involved yeah. and, and this is one of those races where the ladies, um, in the community, 
all came together and did their carbo load spaghetti. They, they, they made it the night before and they were so proud of it. And it was one of the only marathons that I ever crossed the finish line where I had five women come up to me and say, are you okay? Is there anything I can get you? Do you feel okay? I felt like, you know, I was going to be put on, you know, one of these pedestals and carried back to the hotel room. It was awesome. (laughs) But I I understand exactly what you're saying, Lindsay. Now, you've done 18 marathons or so. uh, Yeah, 18. You're making me wonder whether it's 17, though, but somewhere around there. Um, And yeah, I've loved each one of them for different reasons. I think, you know, overall... The common theme, though, is there's something transformational about the marathon that isn't that you don't get that even, you know, a half marathon is a good distance and you feel like you accomplished a lot, but you don't feel like maybe a different person on the other end of it. And with marathon running, it's just there's just something enormous about the end, the finish line. Right. And, you know, even if it's even if it's a a negative emotion, you know, because you were it had. I remember I ran the Mardi Gras marathon in, it was actually the corporate marathon championships. Lockheed Martin used to send a team. Um, I don't think maybe they still do, but I had a terrible race. I think I sat down and just kind of sat down on the sidelines for a while. It was a horrible day for me. Um, and, but just that emotion, I think is kind of an interesting thing too. You know, it didn't go well. It was really hard, but at the end you think I want to be a better person. I want to be a better runner. Right. And I, I, I'm really, um, intrigued by the emotion that you get out of those big races. Did it, uh, was that when they finished in the, uh, Louisiana Superdome? Yeah, it's ended in the we, You and I may have done that race together. Yeah. Um, I was, I did the Mardi Gras marathon, okay. but I just don't know what, what year I did it. Yeah, in. I can't You remember. did it in 2004. Oh, okay. You want to know your time? You did two, there's <laughs> 353.42, yeah, if, if you wanted to know. That's my, I think that's my slowest marathon time. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I know, know which one's your PR here. It's the <laughs> California International. Yeah, I got a little uh, faster there. You, uh, 304.19, that's a, that's a great time. Yeah. I, amazing. Yeah. Now, um, you've done five Boston marathons. Correct. Last year you did uh, New York City and you qualified for Boston and you, and we're doing this uh, two days before the Boston that's Marathon. Right. So why aren't you there this year? Well, I, you know, the first time I were in Boston, I told Sam that I want to run this race every year until I die. <laughs> I think I said that. Um, but then you try to run the Boston Marathon every year and, and it's, you know, you get, it gets hard, right. <laughs> especially living on Maui. Um, but Boston is a really special place. It's yes. just such an experience. And as a Hawaii based runner, there's this place called the Hawaii house at the start. Right. And all the Hawaii runners start, you know, they all meet up at this house prior to the start. And it's so cool. And Boston is, I mean, it's so historic, the town, Boston, but all of the 26 miles of that race are so important to running. They are. And it's, it feels like, you know, like you're going to church a little bit for like, it's, it's really Mm -hmm. cool. It's just, it's just, it's an amazing day. Well, you've done it when it was, uh, when it started at 1159 and you also, I think they backed it up to 10. Yeah. I remember the 10. Yeah. 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 That yeah. was tough when it started. The two years I did it is when it started late. And so you're coming into Boston very late. And actually, it was more fun than yeah. I think personally, because yeah. that's when everybody was coming out of Fenway. Oh, absolutely, that's right. yeah. you know, trashed 
from Patriots Day cheering on the runners and and drunk spectators are awesome. They're the best. They are fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, they make you feel good. You could, you could be crawling and they'll say, you're my man. You are the one. It's It's amazing. (laughs) I think Boston and New York. So I ran New York this year. Um, it had, I don't want to downplay New York because New York is totally special for a different Mm -hmm. reason. I mean, New York, I didn't spend any real time in New York and just that city is amazing. It is. But I think the quality of the spectators at Boston and New York, it's, it, there's nothing like it. And what's cool about Boston is that it's Patriots Day, right? So everyone has a day off. Right. And every college student in the town is hammered. Yes. <laughs> I mean, absolutely out of their minds drunk. I and, know. Yeah. And they love it. And yeah. every single frat house in the town is playing Eye of the Tiger. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, ACDC. And yeah. it's, you know, it's so exciting to be there. It, I, it I, is. I went one year as a spectator to watch Lindsay. And I remember after she finished, we're w- making our way towards the T because that day, if you have a number, you get on the T for free. Yes. And anyone who's with you, too. So we're walking towards the T and things are winding down and there's students just kind of stumbling around. And we passed this pack of students, maybe a dozen of them. And uh, they just started hooping and hollering and high fiving Lindsay. And like one girl gave her a hug and it was like really overwhelming. Like, you know, we both got choked up. Like, this is so cool. Like, I don't know where else that happens, you know? Yeah. Boston has running in Boston is, uh, I mean, the history of the Boston Marathon goes back so far. Like they really care about running, just like Fenway Park, you know, Red Sox fans. Right. You know, the guy sitting in uh, row 57, you know, he knows all the Yankee guys batting averages. Like he knows which guy can't pull to the left. Right. And it's the same thing with running. You know, there's, there's kids out there that are like, oh, I remember which Kenyan won last year. And I remember this Japanese guy, like people are knowledgeable. Yeah. It's really very good. knowledgeable. Yeah. And so I, when I, I've been there, I've stayed with our friends, the Coogans, um, Tom and Kristen Coogan and the Coogan family, you know, in Boston is, is pretty well known. Um, and Mark Coogan was an Olympian, but his, his brother, Tom, who was a, a college teammate of Sam's very good runner. I've stayed with them and Tom was an amazing runner and his, um, his wife, Kristen, she was also an amazing runner. These people were elite athletes um, and they, you know, not running quite as much anymore. But when I come to stay with them and they live in Wellesley, so at the, you know, the halfway point of the the circle right. or the, um, I don't know the, what you call that, the tunnel, the kissing tunnel. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So th- they think I'm awesome. You know, I'm just this mom who trains for marathons and they, I think they really think, you know, on race day, Super excited for me. And that's the way the whole town is. People are genuinely excited for you. The decibel level of Wellesley does not go down for at least three hours of that race. Yeah. It's it's, amazing. It is just such a, I don't, I feel like it's more than a race. It's some kind of statement about humanity. Just it's all good stuff, you know? It it is good stuff. And it's, you know, it's the Super Bowl of marathons. People have to qualify to get into it. And so they've worked extremely hard unless they're doing a charity bib. Yeah. And if they're doing a charity bib, they've worked really hard to get that entry just doing that process. So that's that's what's really great. You have 
runners that have worked their butt off to get to Boston. And right. it just makes it so special. Yeah. I do have one story about Boston. So I, I don't remember which year it was, but it was one of the years where I, I, you know, I've had some okay races there and mostly not as okay. My times haven't been fantastic there, but, um, I was running, it was one year where I wasn't feeling good. I actually think my grandmother had passed away the day before. Uh, I was just not having a good race. And I was at mile nine, I remember, and it was freezing cold and raining that year. And I stopped, I stopped because my foot hurt. I think I had a big blister. I stopped and I, I sat again, apparently this is a theme. I sat down and I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to finish this thing. And, and a kid sat down next to me, probably nine years old, maybe the same age as Wyatt, um, our son. And he, this kid looked at me and he, he looked me in the eye and he said, you get back out there. You have to finish this race. Wow. <laughs> and it, I did. That must have been an amazing moment right there. I was like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah that's, those are such great stories. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah. So Sam, when you came to Maui, um, you started a company called Maui Running. And, yes. and Maui running started doing, putting on a couple races. You got, you were involved with Valley Out Road. Weren't you the president of Valley Out Road Runners for a little bit or? No, I think I was on the board a couple of years. You were on the board a couple of years. I think everybody that's a runner that has been out yep. on the island for a while has circulated through Valley yep. Out Road Runners. I'm doing my tour of duty <laughs> yep. right now. So, uh, tell me how, how you all, you started <laughs> their, you know, everything out here on Maui. Sure. So when I came out here to Maui, my, my serious running career was over. I, I stopped running, um, at the professional level in 2002, didn't really run at all in 2003 or 2004, moved out here in 2004, uh, 2005, I learned about the Hana relay and some folks from my work found out that I was a runner and they said, you could run on a Hana relay team. Oh, okay. What's that? Oh, we run, you run multiple legs and you hand off a baton and it goes from Kahului to Hana and then everyone has a party and camps out. I said, well, that sounds fun. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. And you know, the Hana relay is amazing. It is. It is just, it's, in my opinion, it's the best event on the island. It's so much fun. It is. Um, sells so, out really quick now though. 45 minutes last year. Yeah, I know. It's a shame that, uh, it's you capped. can't get permits for more. It's capped. Know. They yeah. won't, they won't give it to us. Ah, it's too bad. Yeah. yeah. But for the lucky few that do get in, it's an amazing event. And so I, I did that. And then that was fun because I hadn't really raced in years. And then somehow I found my way entering one of the Aluminum Man races. Oh, yeah. Nancy uh, and Nancy's Jamie put those series. on. Yeah, yeah it's uh, swim and run. No right. bike, just swim run. So I did that and I met some people and I thought, well, this is fun. So then I started doing the local road race scene. Kind of got back into it. Much slower than I used to run. Um, but still running well enough to, to be in the hunt and the local road races. So that was fun. Um, I found some of the local road races though, were a little rough around the edges, maybe like no mile markers, no course markings, no awards at the end, no website, no way to find information. You know, I'm, I'm coming from Boulder where, uh, you know, every race is like, you know, electronic time. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. Website. And, right. You know, packet pickup at some hotel, like, you know, really professional stuff. Right. And then out here is mostly volunteers, you know, people giving their time for free, um, doing nonprofit races, bare bones, you know, piece of chalk on the road and right. go for it. 
And, um, as, so after running some of the local road races, there's one in particular, I won't name it, but there's one in particular where I got sent the wrong way or went the wrong way three years in a row. There's no course markings whatsoever. So I'm in the lead and suddenly I look up and I don't know what street I'm on, but it's not, there's no Nobody race going out there on. directing you. No, nothing. Yeah. 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 So after that, I said, well, you can complain about it or you can do something about it. So I joined the Valley Isle Roadrunners to, to volunteer my time, to help out with some races, to help out with the things that I thought could make a race better. You know, just putting all the information on the web, um, maybe advertising in the paper, um, doing course measurements with a wheel, um, getting results out within 24 hours, little things like that. Right. So I did that for a couple of years and, and that was, that was fun. I enjoyed that. And then I thought, you know, I could, I could make a company out of this. I could put on my own race, you know, after I'd volunteered at other people's races and doing my little piece, I thought, I, I think I'm ready to do the whole thing. So I started putting on a race and, uh, that was the St. Patrick's day. Right. Race. Very popular yep. out here. And, and then you and learned how hard it is to put on a road race. Yep. I learned, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of jumped in with both feet and it went okay. You know, I would make mistakes, you know, every year you think, Oh boy, that was a big mistake that luckily didn't turn out too bad, but you know, you learn and you get better each year. And I did that for a while. And then I started, uh, putting on corporate races. I found out, uh, you know, there's, unbelievable amounts of money flowing into Wailea, which is not necessarily apparent to the average person unless you know about it. Right. So I found out about all these corporate uh, runs that are happening out there. Companies come out here, they rent out an entire hotel for yeah. a week. They have a multi-million dollar entertainment budget for yep. their for their employees. And sometimes they want to put on a 5k fun run and I have the equipment and the ability to do that. So I started doing that for a couple of hotels um, and still do. Um, so I, I, yeah, I guess that's how I got into it. And um, it's, it's been nice being able to put on event when I put on an event and I see people smiling at the end and they're happy and a couple people say, Hey, that was a great race. Cause most people, they don't even know who the race director is. They're not paying attention. To exactly. That stuff. <laughs> but, but there's usually four or five that actually know, Hey, this guy did all that. He figured all that out and made that happen. And they, you know, they come up and say, that was really great. I enjoyed that. Thank you. It's like, that makes it all worthwhile. You know, you know, racing, putting on a race is basically when you look at it, it's, it's a disaster that you have to control yes. and it's a thankless job. Yes. Um, you know, to have somebody give you a compliment at the end is really phenomenal. Uh, you always have a couple people that for some stupid reason, they didn't like the race you may not have had Gatorade, you may have had Powerade out there, or maybe their watch was off by, you know, one millimeter of a second or, or distance wise, one millimeter of a, you know, a mile. Yeah. And they're all upset about it. Um, you know, I recently got into doing all those races, uh, in, in the Maui marathon. Um, and that's a monster to put on. Yeah. It is really, and it's tougher out here now. It's very expensive to put these things on, yeah. you know, permits are tougher to get. Uh, you know, you really have to do a lot of PR with the local municipalities and, and the, uh, build the relationships up and gain a reputation of they trust you. It's very hard out here right. and the expenses are crazy, but I got one Maui marathon story and it happened last year that I thought it made my day. It was, it was really, 
you wouldn't believe all the all the fires that we put out the day before on this race. Right. I mean, I, I could sit here and tell you five or six things that had happened that nobody would ever know about, but you know, it was creating big stress for us. Um, but at the finish line, uh, th- this this woman that came in the half marathon, she was in second place, came up to me and complimented what a wonderful race it was. And and her name is uh, Lindsay Wilbur. <laughs> <laughs> and that made my day. And I never told you that. But oh, when it, you came up and you just you came across the finish line, you didn't even stop to get water or whatever. You just kind of came right to me and said, that was a really nice race. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, after all that and, you know, what it's like after your race is in progress and it's, you know, you're drained and you just want people to come across the finish line with a smile. So thank yeah. you for that. Oh, that's nice. I definitely I think, you know, I've run the Maui, Maui Marathon a couple of times, which it's hard just based on the weather, I would say. Um, and the terrain, there's a little bit of hill there. So it's a hard race. But the Maui Half Marathon, which is at the same time yes. as the marathon and you're the race director. Um, so, you know, but, uh, it is, I think it's one of the best races I've ever run. It's just, it's a beautiful event. It is. You start it early, early. So it's dark out and you feel a little bit faster kind of when you start the race. And it's another, I would say magical kind of thing that races. It's a, it's one of my absolute favorites. You know, I, I remember Sam, you, I, Either you or I were talking about it or I heard you talk about this with somebody and I'm exactly the same way as you. Um, I'm a stickler on making sure the course is just marked perfect, as perfect as you can possibly get. And um, I know sometimes when I ran a couple half marathons here and there, the courses wasn't marked properly or the signs weren't put out properly. But thank you for that compliment. Yeah, no, compliment. It, it's a great race. Really, it really appreciate is. it. Yeah, I love it. Now I'm going to announce to you and to everybody else that we're moving the start line of the marathon. Um, it's getting crazy crowded in Kahului and O'Kaley Street is where we started it the last few years. It was moved from uh, the the mall mm-hmm. uh, that we have here. But now that it's closed, um, we got the permits to start at the sugarcane mill. Oh, that's cool. So the start line is going to be there and it's going to shoot out uh, to the Mokalele Highway where the light is, where the trucks used to go across, but they don't go across mm-hmm. anymore. It's the light before Hanson Road. Okay. And then cut across and go around. Unfortunately, we've, we've got to um, bring out the certification uh, person measurer again. Uh, and it's really the last, the first two miles of the course, but, um, the rest of the course, he's going to have to still go through to make sure it's all certified. Mm. But I'm, I think that's pretty exciting. It's gonna be a great start for that. That'll be a beautiful place. It's a great place. It is a great place to be. So, so tell me about, um, you know, everybody really would love to have that St. Patrick's day run again. (laughs) You did such a great job with that. And I know it's tough putting these things on. Yeah. uh, Well, there, I think there was mostly, it was because there's a schedule conflict. There's another event that's going on, uh, that same weekend and, uh, the way the calendar worked, it it ended up being the exact weekend. So my race was on like a Thursday. Well, St. Patrick's day moves. It's a different day of the week. 
right uh, each year uh but it was conflicting with another race uh, a bigger race that yeah, was that was uh, i know which one you're talking about yeah so i you know the, the last year i did it it was a really low turnout and uh ended up losing a little amount of money yeah uh, as a race director you so, don't want to lose money yeah, especially it's, when it's yours it's yeah i mean it's a lot of work to put on the event and when you're putting in that much work to lose money it's hard to uh justify continuing <laughs> exactly no i understand when you're doing it personally you don't want to lose money yeah you know yeah. we can absorb a little bit on the valley Isle roadrunners and on some of our runs um but we're we're doing really well in that now yeah so how you you're um you have all Lindsay. you always been one of the top three runners here on the island female runners yeah i've been up there you've been always up there <laughs> And, and how many races, I know you don't know this off the top of your head, but you won quite a few races out here. I would say I have. Yeah. I've, so, you know, there's always been, um, one or two other females on the Island that are, you know, a little bit better than me. You know, Malia is definitely up there. Sally DeGanzo, um, definitely fast, but I, you know, I've, uh, and then there's some other fast women on the island, of course. Malia's got a boyfriend now, so that gives you an edge. <laughs> She's not as hot on the running as she was no. before. <laughs> you always you always have a high I school girl in there too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Each, and then there was yeah. the Dakotas. Every couple of years, there's a new high school girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I had some battles. I don't know if she would say I had, we had battles, but yeah, I've, I've, I've run a, a lot of races and, and won a lot of races here. And I think, you know, for me, that's been pretty special because, you know, we mentioned uh, came from Boulder. Um, and everybody, literally everybody at the starting line in a, in a race in Boulder has actually been to the Olympics. Like, you know, it's like yeah. for whatever different nation mm-hmm. they come from or, you know, have, um, family at. So it, it was, it's been really cool for me to actually be able to win some races. Yeah. And that's, that's been special for me to, you know, be able to play, um, in that area and just try to, um, to compete. And I've just, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, and you've, you've gotten your name and picture in the paper a few times. Yeah, it's been fun. It's just fun to to see what you can do. And as you know, as a mom um, and as a working professional, I feel like you know there's so much going on in in a person's life, and and just to be able to get out there and and physically try to um, test yourself. That's not something adults get to do a whole lot. Right. So I just enjoy that, the pursuit of, of feeling like you're, you're really working your hardest physically. Right. So that's, that's an important thing for me in my life. And, and Maui has really allowed me to have some success. Yeah. yeah. People that are listening, I hope you can come out and check out Maui. One of our races, if you happen to time it when we're out here where there is a race going on uh, if not, just run around the island. There's great places. On your website, uh, MauiRunning.com, uh, you have listing of places that people can run. Uh, we have our Wednesday night group on on Wednesday, which you started. Yep. You started that group. Yep. Do you know how many people we get at that thing? I it's know. Amazing. It's amazing. I we see just your had pictures, 40 Jim. people yeah, last yeah. week. You had a picture of 40 people there getting ready to go for a run. And I thought, my God, when I started that run, it was the same five people. And, and I, I was like, one of them. Yeah. yeah. That was <laughs> it. We have five people. We never had tourists come out or anything. It's it's grown so yeah, much. You're doing You've done a great, great job. job. Last week we had, there was no tourists. These are all local oh, okay. people that are coming to the run. We get, you know, a few tourists here and there, but 
Um, I'm just amazed. Uh, it's, it's actually scaring me how many people are coming to this. Yeah. I came a couple of weeks back. You were, uh, I know the only time you came out, I do want to come more, but there is swim lessons at that exact moment. I know. I, we see every week you got two, two, uh, two children, (laughs) right? What are their names? Uh, Wyatt and Levi. Yeah. And, um, they're, uh, they're, they're a full-time job for both of you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, they which are. they should be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Sam, let's uh, talk about you. You, you uh, do, well, first of all, before we start about, start talking about your new company, um, your new side hustle, Worldwide Wilbur, which people are going, what the heck is Worldwide Wilbur? <laughs> you are quite the traveler. And, um, there's a twist to your traveling that you go, you, you have a goal of going to a lot of countries and, uh, how many have you gone to so far? I intend to go to every country in the world and I've gone to 107 so far. And, um, you do this on a shoestring. You pay very little when you go on these trips. I try to. Yeah. But you figured out a way to do it. Yep. I've learned how to uh, turn credit card bonuses into lots of frequent flyer miles and then use those frequent flyer miles to travel around the world. How did you come up with that? Well, I always I've had a credit card that got frequent flyer miles for a long time, probably for over 10 years. Um, And you know, I knew you use this credit card, you get a dollar per, you get a mile for every dollar you spend. And through putting all my spending on that credit card, I would really slowly get frequent flyer miles. And I got to the point where I could accumulate enough to go on an international trip, maybe once every two years. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, I'm getting a free ticket to Central America just off my credit card. Yeah. And then I think it was uh, my friend Dean George at work, coworker, Start talking to him about this. And he's like, dude, you're doing it all wrong. You got to get like 10 credit cards. I'm like what? He's like, yeah, you get a new credit card and you get the bonus. And then you chuck that credit card and you get another credit card and another bonus. And I'm like, no, that there's got to be a catch. It can't be that easy. And he's like, check out this website. So I started checking out all these different websites and there's many websites on credit card uh, mileage churning. Um, you can find some information on my own, but probably the best website, uh, for someone new to it is called the points guy, the points Um, and it basically these credit card companies want you to spend on their credit card. They really make a lot of money off it and they put out these amazing bonuses, these sign up bonuses. When you get the credit card, usually you have to spend maybe $3,000 over three months. And then you get 50,000 miles or a hundred thousand or whatever the bonus is. And they're hoping that you'll keep their credit card and just keep using that credit card for the rest of your life. Uh, but there's no reason you can't get that bonus and then stop using the credit card and go get another credit card. Uh, and people are thinking, Oh, well, that's going to destroy my credit. I'm sure there's got to be, you know, some punishment for doing that. I, I assure you there is not. Um, and so once you learn the nuances of the credit card game, you can just keep getting card after card after card and accumulate a lot of miles and travel anywhere you want to go for free or just for the price of the taxes, you know, the, the $5 TSA fee. Well, I, I have to, I just have to say, you know, everybody out there listening, I don't do this personally because I would absolutely screw myself up, <laughs> yeah, but you yeah. have to be a real detailed person, I assume. 
And I don't recommend just starting to sign up for all these credit cards. Yeah. Really educate yourself first if you're ever going to go down that path, right? I, I absolutely agree. You have to educate yourself and you have to be a detail-oriented person. And I am a very detail-oriented person. Yeah, I mean, if I were the person in the marriage that was doing this, we would be in a very different situation. <laughs> yeah. Debtor's yeah. prison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, 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 we're lucky, Sam's organizing this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very detail oriented. I have an Excel spreadsheet where I list every credit card we have between Lindsay and I, and even my elderly mother, I've gotten her in on this game. She flies all over the world for free as well. I just tell her which credit card to sign up for and what, you know, and then I get her tickets. Uh, but yeah, I've got a spreadsheet and I have to keep track of how much we're supposed to spend on each card. I got to keep track of when the annual fees do got to keep track of when I got to make the monthly payment. You have to keep track of which credit card I'm using it in. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) There there is a little bit to keep track of. And I know some people, when I tell them this, I see their eyes glaze over and they go, oh yeah, that's not for me. But you know, you go to work for eight hours a day. You work eight hours a day to make money, right? So, So what I'm telling you is a way to work an hour a month. I mean, that's probably all I put into it. Mm -hmm. Maybe two hours a month, two hours a month. And two hours a month gets me unlimited now, frequent flyer miles to travel the world. And when we talk about unlimited miles, like, you you know, you went all over Africa and you went on a, literally all around the world for five months. And yeah. our, the kids and I, we met you for a, a couple months of that. And we went to 12 different countries and there was no no paying for those tickets, right? I mean, other than, you know, our credit yeah, cards. I mean, I, yeah. Occasionally, you know, if I need to get from Tunisia to Malta, there's only one airline that does it and I don't have any miles on that airline and I got to suck it up and actually pay real money pay for a ticket. Pay real money but, for a ticket. But right. that's rare. Most of the time yeah. I can find a way to get places for free. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I, I play a different game. I play the, I'll volunteer yeah, hey, uh, <laughs> if they're going, you, you were asking for volunteers for, yeah, I'll do it. Okay. How much, yeah. uh, we're going to give you $800. Yeah. Okay. I'll do it. Uh, do I have to sleep in the airport or are you going to give me a hotel room? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I've done that too. And I recommend that it's, it's a good, usually a good deal. I just got a thousand dollar coupon from American airlines. Cause what's really cool when you are flying to Maui, everybody wants to get out That's here. True. They do not care how much money they're offering for a free ticket. But if you live here and you're flexible, that's a perfect thing because most of the time you're going to get that deal. So yeah. Jim, do you know that there's ways to find out which flights you're most likely to get I have off? no idea, but there, you're going to tell me. There are pe- So I don't do this, but there are people who strategize themselves by purchasing flights where they know there's a high chance that they're going to need volunteers to get bumped. And these folks even to the point where they sign up for flights, they don't even want to go on just to get bumped and get the big voucher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's a whole game in itself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, so our, our listeners have a lot of stuff to think about out yeah. there, but again, don't go down the path yeah. and sign up for credit cards and that do your due diligence. And, yeah. and so, uh, well, before I ask the next question, have you, uh, some of your marathons and that have you used, uh, any of this or oh yeah you- I'm the beneficiary of the free so I've you know at first I thought Sam was crazy and I thought it was you know this was going to destroy our credit and uh, I think for how many years we have not paid for a ticket like again other than the massive amounts of money we spent on our credit card but um, just for normal life stuff but I think you know you might say that I'm I'm 
um, abusing my, uh, <laughs> my travel privileges. Cause I've been going a lot of places, uh, a lot of marathons, a lot of girls trips. Well, the girls trips are awesome, <laughs> but you also, your, your, uh, your career out here, you have to travel a lot. You go to the East yeah. coast quite a bit, don't yeah. you? So you accumulate a lot of miles just yeah, traveling that way. Yeah. I go and, and that work travel is, is a different story. I do travel pretty fr- frequently for work. Um, yeah, to DC. So it's fun. It's been fun. What are some of your favorite, uh, countries that you visited? Oh, that's like asking someone, which one of your children is your favorite? You know, I like, (laughs) which one of your children are your favorite? No, I'm just kidding. It's definitely, (laughs) um, of the 107 countries I've been to, I honestly, I enjoy almost all of them. Uh, only a handful that I didn't enjoy, but if I'm going to have to pick a couple, I'm going to pick, um, Indonesia, Bali in Indonesia. I'll take the Czech Republic for the best beer beer on earth and beautiful Mm -hmm. old historic towns that uh, were lucky enough to have not been destroyed in World War II. Um, Czech Republic has a lot of amazing sights to see. Um, What else? Peru. Peru, yes. Peru has an amazing thriving indigenous culture and the Inca not just Machu Picchu, which is great, but there's a dozen other Inca sites to see there that are just astounding. And it's very, uh, it's safe and it's very cheap. Beautiful. Um, yeah, Peru. And uh, I had another one on the tip of my tongue. Somewhere in Africa, maybe? Yeah, I really enjoy Africa. Um, be hard to pick one, but I'll say maybe Uganda. Mm-hmm. Uganda has uh, safaris you can go on. It's a small country. It's not as spread out as uh, if you go to Kenya or Tanzania, you might end up spending eight hours in a safari van to get where you're going. Uganda is a more compact country. Um, it's very cheap. The safaris are probably a third of the price in Tanzania. And uh, the people are really lovely in, in Uganda. They're really friendly, ebullient partying people in Uganda. Um, they speak English. They'll come up and talk to you. It's great. Great place. I really liked it there. Wow. I love Tanzania though. Yeah. You went on that trip to Tanzania. Climbed Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So tell me about worldwide Wilbur and then this is your new side hustle. Mm -hmm. And, uh, how did that come about and where's it going? Well, yeah. So, (laughs) When I first started traveling in 2006, I had a little travel blog where I put my pictures and I wrote about my experiences. And it was really just for, I guess, for my friends and family to look at where I've been rather than me telling the same story to a hundred people. I'd say, you can go to my blog and see pictures and see what I think about the place. You know, my mom could read it. And I guess it was from my own, like my own diary. So I could look back on it and go, oh yeah, that's, I really liked that town. I'd forgotten about that town, but there was no motive to make it uh, something useful to the general public or a moneymaker in any way. Uh, So I had that blog for years and I kind of let it dwindle and die. And then, um, you know, I read other people's travel blogs for years. I've been reading travel blogs and uh, I never even really understood that there was a monetary aspect to travel blogs until recently. And, um, you know, I follow this one travel blog, uh, Nomadic Matt. Uh, it's really good. It's got all these destination guides, travel packing tips, uh, flight tips, all kinds of stuff. And uh, Nomadic Matt pulls in over half a million dollars a year. 
Hmm. Uh, he's got a staff of people working for him. I see your eyes lighting up yeah. there. They, they, they got yeah. big and wide. Yeah. And I saw dollar signs <laughs> flying out of your eyes. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so when I found that out, I thought, oh, that's interesting. Well, what's he got that I don't have? And uh, I don't I don't think anything. I think I'm a competent writer and I've certainly been to enough places. You are. I read uh, some of it, your uh, you. articles and that you're great, great thank article. You. And the pictures are awesome. Thanks. I, I think my pictures need some work. I, Lindsay's the photographer in the family. I need, need her to start uh, contributing <laughs> more to the blog. But uh, yeah, so I decided, okay, I'm going to dive into it this year and I'm going to restart a completely new blog that's uh, professionally done. I got some help. I took a class. Um, and I'm going to write blog posts, you know, not just as a diary, but as a usable product for the general public. I'm going to tell people, here's what you want to do and what you want to see and how to get there and how to get from the airport to the town and where you should stay and where you should eat and, you know, dangers you should look out for and every, like a complete guide. You know, my my destination posts, I try to make them um, like a lonely planet in 3000 words, like everything. Mm-hmm. You need. Um, and I've been enjoying doing the work and, but you know, it's slow going as I'm sure, you know, with this podcast, oh, it's tough. the, the upfront yeah. level of work is enormous and mm-hmm. the, uh, initial return is minuscule. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's like a, a snowball. <laughs> it starts rolling as just a snowball and you're like, Oh, four people came to my site today. That's yeah. so exciting. I only had two yesterday. I know. You know, and then one day you're like, Oh, 127 people came to my site. Wow. And you don't know where they're you coming know? from, yeah. but it's great. That's yeah. the same with my show here. People are listening all over the world and it's growing every week. And yeah. you know, like you said, you have to put in a lot of upfront. You got, there's a learning curve first yeah. of oh, all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for this thing, there's, there's a heck of a learning curve, but then after that you watch it grow and it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fulfilling for me, for me to uh, see it grow and, um, to see people have an interest in what I'm creating. I've never been a creative person. I'm not artistic. I don't, uh, paint or sculpt or create anything. So this is my creation and, uh, yeah, it's rewarding to create something that you think people value. So what all can people find on worldwide Wilbur? And we're going to put uh, links on the, in the show notes, uh, for your article, Lindsay, that you had and your, your, whatever you'd like in there, Maui running plus worldwide Wilbur and all that. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Worldwide Wilbur is a a travel blog that, uh, has destination guides. Um, putting them in little by little for all the places I've already been. We've got about 30 countries up at this point. Um, the destination guides are complete guides to that location. I, I tell you, uh, picture, I give you pictures. I explain, uh, my perception of the place, recommendations on what to do, where to stay, where to eat. And then I also have sections in the blog with basic travel tips. You know, I, I explain how to churn credit cards step by step, how to get credit cards and accumulate miles and use those. I have uh, a travel packing list where I've literally listed everything that goes in my backpack when I traveled around the world for five months. Uh, and I'm very particular about what goes in my backpack because I have to carry it on my back for five months. Yeah. I want it to be as light as possible. Right. So I really think about every object that goes. Are you a minimalist when it comes to traveling? I am an absolute minimalist. I, if, if I bring a shirt that I don't wear for two weeks, that shirt's got to go in the trash. I can't be carrying it around. I can't be carrying around dead weight. 
So yeah, everything I bring with me has to be a functional necessary item. Yeah. So yeah. So I provide information on that, uh, recommendations of lightweight, uh, lightweight clothing that doesn't have to be washed every day, like Merino wool. I highly recommend, um, and different gadgets and, um, just all the things you need to have with you, you know, your, your immunization record, some countries, if you don't show them that little yellow fever piece of paper, yeah, they're going to give you a shot right there at immigration. Mm. And I'm telling you, there's some countries where you do not want some guy pulling a needle out and mm. stick it in your arm. You just don't know where that needle is exactly. coming from or yeah. where it's been. Because there are countries where they like to cut corners and save money. And, yeah. you know, needles might be one of the places they save money on. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's certain things you just have to have with you, uh, you know, your passport, your visa, your immunization record, you know, a copy of your credit cards and uh um, emergency That's contact smart. stuff like that yeah so i try to provide all that information in the blog that sounds like a, a complete full package wealth of information if you're traveling go to your site because you're gonna be able to find a checklist of everything you could possibly want now a question for you we got runners that listen to the podcast what recommendations would you give to them to save money when they go to races, you know, maybe just two or three items that they could think about. And maybe down the line in your worldwide Wilbury for runners, you can put a little section in there on how to, you know, pack, save money and all that if you're going to races, because it's a it's a big market. Yeah. yeah. Huge market. <clears throat> well, I guess my the most important recommendation I would make is I, I only travel with a carry-on. I never check bags. I, I bring carry on because, you know, number one, they usually charge now for yes. bags. So there's that I'm cheap. But number two, I don't like the airline have control of my stuff. Yes. Um, you know, you said you got bumped from a flight recently. Did right. you just have a carry on that day or did you have a check bag? I had a check bag, but I always throw stuff in my other bag that in case I this yeah, happens right. to me, I have enough to get yeah. by. Because sometimes if you want to volunteer for a bump, if you have a check bag and it's way deep under the plane, they're going to say, nah, we're going to take someone who has a carry on because yeah. they, they can't get it out. So I like the, having that flexibility. Um, I've been on flights that got canceled and people are frantically trying to rebook their travel. And I'll just walk around the airport and see the next flight leaving. Yeah. And I'll walk up to it and say, my flight just got canceled. I want on this flight. Yeah. Uh, well, do you have check bags? Nope. Okay. Get on. You know, if you have check bags, it limits you in some situations. Right. Um, so, and especially, so what I was going to say for runners, if you're bringing your running shoes and your race outfit, you do not want to lose that. I mean, you do not want to be wearing a brand new pair of shoes in America. I've heard that right? story happen to people before and it's yeah. not pretty. Yeah. So if you're going to have a check bag on your way to your marathon, fine, but don't put your running shoes in there. Yeah. Don't put your race outfit in there. Keep the race outfit, your race socks, your race shoes in your carry-on. And you cannot lose those. What and your running watch. I would say your yeah, watch. Yeah, your GPS watch. Yeah. yeah. Unless unless you just don't want to know what your race is going to be like <laughs> and just throw it out. What is that? Zen running, they call yeah. that? Something yeah. like that. So uh, what, what are a couple of suggestions where runners may be able to save a couple bucks when they're traveling to a, a marathon or a, whatever race they're doing? I find research is the best way to save money. A lot of people, they don't research where they're going at all. They just show up and they haven't planned anything. Maybe they have a hotel, but they haven't thought out, well, how am I going to get to the hotel yeah. from the airport? 
you gotta you gotta research these things ahead of time so you know the most efficient way to get there. Well, like my marathon last weekend, I was in Rotterdam, stayed in a smaller town outside of Rotterdam, and I was worried about you know needing to have my own car. Um, but once we got there, you know, public transportation in the Netherlands is fantastic. And and had I, I, I mean, I think maybe the research piece, you know, if I had felt more comfortable with the train, you know, before I went there, maybe I didn't need my car because the, the train was really the superior option. So knowing that, yeah, like I'll, you're saying, I'll give you an example. Let's say you're running the Tokyo Marathon. You haven't researched anything. You got yourself a nice hotel room in downtown Tokyo near the start. You, you got that part done, but that's all you've researched. You show up at uh, Narita Airport, the main airport in Tokyo. You get there and you think, uh, oh, how am I going to get to my hotel? Well, I'll just get a taxi. A taxi from Narita Airport to downtown Tokyo is $250. In U.S. dollars? Yes. Oh. Narita is way out of town. And Japan is a very expensive country, especially Tokyo. And a taxi cab is $250. Now, if you had known that, then you can get on a train, which goes directly from Narita to the city, where you can then connect to the Tokyo metro system. And that train is like 15 bucks. Those are the things you need to know before you go there and get in that cab and then you know, end up with a fare that you just can't even do the math in your head. You're so blown away. You and know, that can happen even in U.S. airports sure. going into cities. Yeah. Yeah. So I live with Worldwide Wilbur and whenever I go to any, anywhere that I go, Sam actually does all the research for me and hands me an itinerary, nice. which is really nice. Um, but you know, where do I go? What am I, what should I do? Um, where, what, you know, after the marathon, you know, what would I want to spend my time doing? This guy already figured it out for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. Boy, you pretty got a great deal with. there. <laughs> yeah. Got an all purpose husband, don't you? <laughs> I do. Does he try to train you too, as far as your running? Yeah, he's my coach. How's that work out for it you? It was going really well when I was get <laughs> when I was getting faster. I feel like for a few years, I was like, I don't know what was happening to me, but I was, I was doing pretty well. In the last couple of years, I've definitely um, been a little more challenged, but, um, and, and you provide great training. I think this is more quality of, of the runner at this point, but I do, I mean. So I don't th- think it's quality of the runner. I think it's the, uh, the date on the calendar. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, the general way that it works with my coach and I is, you know, we sit on the couch and watch TV. Coach has a called husband. Right. Coach, also, husband, AKA husband. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. So he will not provide me my training for the following week until I provide him an email with my training from the previous week. So we don't talk about it really. I just, I need to kind of provide it in writing and then I get my next week's training and it's customized to my previous week's training. So it works out. Yeah. Cause well. I need to know if I told her to do, you know, five times a mile at six thirty pace and she actually did them in six twelve. Right. Or oh, then I've got to readjust my thinking for the next right. week. Or more recently yeah. I did them in six fifty five. Well, you also uh, <laughs> coach our good friend Rita too. Yes. And she follows your plan to the T. She's amazing when it comes to that. I hope she does. I hope whatever, you know, she, she struggles a little bit with injuries every so often. And I know she's readjusting her marathon now. She was going to do Vancouver 
And now I think she's going into the end of the summer trying yeah. to target one there. So I, I hope it works out for her. She loves Boston. Yeah. She volunteers at she's Boston. She, she's yeah. got a, she's got a pretty decent gig over there. She's taken care of tracking either the men or the lady, uh, lead runners. And she's a runner between, I think, uh, the radio and the people that are following them and running over to the press you know, whatever station's covering it. It's, it's a pretty big job yeah, that she's, she's got. One of our cool favorite people. She is. <laughs> yeah. So what's next, Lindsay, for you running wise? What you, what are you going to do? You got some, uh, well, you just finished a marathon last weekend, but yeah. you got some other ones in target. Well, yeah. So I did sign up for New York again. I already did that. Nice. So that's on the books. Although it's feeling, that's feeling rather soon, I think. Um, and then, uh, my friend Sally and I, we just ran Rotterdam last weekend. So we were thinking we'd like to do maybe Tokyo, you know, in 20, I think it'd be, have to be 2020. So um thinking about that, but I think what I really need to focus on is not the marathon. Um, I would love to try to run some shorter distances because I yeah. think the marathon can really beat you up. And that's kind of how I felt this past weekend a little bit, like maybe I need to you know, try to <laughs> rethink this a little bit. So. Well, there's a, there's not a lot of <laughs> races out on the islands, you know, to choose from. I mean, they got a few half marathons and yeah. that, but. Yeah. Even the, you know, 5k is just the, I think Valley Isle Roadrunners races. There's some great yeah. ones and I'd like to focus a little bit, maybe more on that. Um, I would love at some point to become more involved in the community um, of the Valley Isle Roadrunners community. Cause it is a special um, group of people try to help out. Um, in some, some capacity. And I, yeah, I think that's kind of where I'd like to focus. This I, I really week. wish we had a bigger pool of people for volunteers because yeah. it's really hard to get people to volunteer. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people like to run the races and with, and you got Ainsley's Angels, which is right. an awesome program and uh, they find people to push. So our pool is limited. Yeah. Yeah. I need to give back a little bit. So that's, it's okay. You keep running <laughs> while you still are, still have it. Yeah, keep going. Try to keep doing it. Definitely. <laughs> and a new, uh, new age group division, uh, yeah. coming up yes. in, uh, 12 days. Yeah. I'm definitely getting old. No, so. no you're not. You're getting better. <laughs> oh yeah. There's a four in front of that zero, huh? <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I barely remember that, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it goes by fast after that. It gets really fast. Yeah. And then you're just, uh, you know, then you end up looking like me in the mirror and then you're going, what the heck happened? Oh, you know, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, good luck on worldwide Wilbur. Thank you. Good luck with what you're doing. Thank I think, you. I think this went pretty good. I think our conversation went well, right? Yeah. Well, thank no, you for no coming. insults were traded. No, no insults are <laughs> traded. Well, once the record button goes off, it's a different story. But uh, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Jim. All right. Okay. Well, wasn't that fun, runners? They are such a great couple. Just love them. They're both really so awesome. So be sure to go to worldwidewilbur.com. That's worldwidewilbur.com. Or go to the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. The links are all there for you. And follow Sam on his journey and particularly to get some great travel tips in order to enjoy your travel adventures a little bit more and ways you can save money. You know, us runners need that since races are getting expensive and travel to get there is getting expensive 
And if you could save $50, well, that's a little more race swag you can buy. Oh, and one correction. Lindsay actually won the Maui Marathon's half marathon last year when she came across the finish line and complimented me on the race. I believe during our conversation, I said she came in second. Well, she did, but that was in 2017. So aloha, Sam and Lindsay, for spending a little bit of time with me and and really enlightening our listeners. This was really seriously a lot of fun. Here is a running quote to keep you inspired and feeling good. Oh yeah, quotes, quotes, quotes. Yep, I like them. You know, in my life, I've been accused from non-runners of being obsessed with running. Drives me nuts, but it happens. If you're a runner, I'm sure somebody said that you are obsessed with running. Now, I certainly don't deny that I probably am obsessed with running and fit into that category quite a bit. But as a runner, I want to inform people that are non-runners that I don't look at it as an obsession. I look at it more as a healthy lifestyle. So I think that this episode's quote puts it into perspective for all of us runners who gets frustrated when we're accused of being obsessed with our sport. And it goes like this. The obsession with running is really an obsession with the potential for more and more life. Now, let me read that again. The obsession with running is really an obsession with the potential for more and more life. Think about this for a minute. The benefits of running give us more potential, more enthusiasm, and more of a quest to make our lives better. So if that's the case, well, yes, I'm obsessed with running and proud of it. And this is the point where us runners say, hell yeah, and drop the mic and turn around and walk away from those that accuse us of being obsessed with running. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Remember to share this podcast with your running friends and across your social media platforms and give us a good review if you like us. It will really help the show to grow. And also, if interested, leave us a voice message by going to feelgoodrunning.com and click the orange tab on the side. You'll have three minutes to leave your message and we may play it on a future episode. So with that, remember to just show up and always, always feel good about your running, even if you're obsessed with it. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Please consider sharing this podcast with your running friends and spread the feel good running vibe around you. Head over to feelgoodrunning.com to access all the links and resources mentioned on the show. Until next time, keep motivated, keep focused, and keep on running. It is sure to make you, well, feel good.